are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com with the amount of audio and video content we generate it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two five ten or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Well, we're into September now, and we all know what that means. It's Halloween! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think the general consensus of any smart-minded people is the moment it hits september 1st it's just halloween until october 31st oh 100 yeah well i think right? in texas too people like especially want it because the heat is so oh it's yeah. like september it's it's fall it's fall it's coming it's, it's fall. halloween it's, it hasn't it's, dropped it's, one degree but it's fall yeah but it's <laughs> dropped like one degree yeah it was like 107 <laughs> earlier today yeah, yeah that, was, that was lower than it was to be fair uh, true. but you know with halloween means the beginning of our halloween type movies and what says halloween and spoopy season more than hercules perot it's just hercule <laughs> huh it's just hercule perot. hercule you're right yeah. yeah um yeah obviously that doesn't sound right well things are a little different with the latest film haunting in venice which almost is entirely marketed and is kind of a ghost story haunt horror movie. Oh yeah, which it's, is it's, not normal for this detective. No, it was one of the things I was most curious about because the marketing is like leaning very heavy into it. I mean, spoiler alert: it's not that much of a ha- like a horror movie. But the no. the trailers are really like they're cut like with jump scares and well, you've got mur- you've got mi- mysterious murders possibly caused by the supernatural, a haunted mansion where many <laughs> many many people have died. It's not terribly misleading. A psychic. I mean, it really is got all the tropes of a horror it, movie. It does. Yeah. It's just here's the thing: it's a Her- Hercule Poirot film by Agatha, based on Agatha Christie novel, albeit extremely loosely. And you know it's not going to end up actually being ghosts. Because his whole thing, he's a detective. He's not going to go, you know what? Maybe ghosts did murder them. I accuse you. J'accuse, ghost. Yeah. I think God, it would have been funny. Does, God does not exist and neither do ghosts. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if at the end it was like, it turns out it was Casper. <laughs> he did everything. It's the ghost of the conjuring. It turns out this is a tie-in to the conjuring universe. <laughs> it was the nun. It was the nun. <laughs> yeah, the crossover event no one needed. No one asked for <laughs> it. Wanted, yeah. But I'll tell you, like, I was not a big fan of the first two films that uh, Kenneth Branagh, who writes, directs or co-writes i'm sorry he did not he directed and stars in in the as the lead i was not a big fan of the first two i mean murder on the orient express is okay yeah it's an okay movie it's kind of junky it's a nice start to like the idea of doing these it's just everything is a little too played too broadly and then like i had a hard time getting into because everybody's just kind of being silly and the second one is everything wrong with the first one magnified by 10 yeah the first one i found to be like yeah, it's a little corny, a little broad, but like I find I find it to be like charming in that way. It's like, oh look, like he just loves playing this detective, and it's like let the guy make his movies by detective. It's it's charming and it's watchable. Yeah, it was Death a fashion the, thing. Death yeah. on Denial was 
Whoa. Yeah, Death bad. on the Nile was just like, oh, this is just terrible. That's a bad, bad Also, movie. it had like every counseled actor at that point. <laughs> I mean, it was made during COVID to some extent, so it really was hurt by the fact that like so much of it had to be shot on green screen, and it, boy, did yeah. it show. People seemed very detached. There's no, like, the, the no chemistry. Acting was, really was not funny. great. Like, there was no chemistry. This one, however, although once again, directed by Kenneth Branagh uh, and written by the guy Michael Green who wrote the first two... It's like there's they had a come to Jesus meeting or something, and we're just like we want to do this completely differently I, on many different levels. I saw a ghost, Kenneth. I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go any further, I'm Chris, and joining me on this review of a haunting in Venice is Spider Mike, Alan. I love how you completely leaned into the Spider Mike. That's my whole branding at this point. I used it for that other stuff I was doing for. Alan, what's your nickname? I don't even know. I, I'm just Alan, I guess. Ghost Alan. <laughs> yeah, for this one, I could be a. <laughs> yeah, just a Alan. Ghost Alan. Ken's clothes fit him. <laughs> but really, this film, what separates it from the other two, for one thing, it's actually shot really well and creatively, and the first two are just kind of bland. I know. That, I mean, that's the first thing I noticed when watching it. Like immediately it's like oh this actually has a style it yeah. has a point of view like well, it's really d- directed yeah and it has a real like i mean it makes sense with the genre they really lean into the genre like the aspect ratio is different like yeah it's and kind of a tr- bold choice for a studio he, he film. tries a lot of stuff sorry my cat is coughing for some reason oh. and puked on the rug yay cats it's, uh. it's just ghost puke, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about <laughs> it's it. Ectoplasm. Uh, don't go eat the vomit, monkey. Oh my god. <laughs> Having cats when you're doing a review is always delightful. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he chooses. He does does fisheye lens. He does uh, steady cam attached to the actors. Shaky cam. He tries a whole bunch of different techniques. They're all more associated with the spooky films. And you know, he is making trying to make this a spooky film. And at points, it succeeds. But there's always Again, you know this character. There's no way it's actually ghosts. No. So it's just a matter of putting together the facts and what's going on and how, why is Hercule himself possibly seeing stuff? This guy goes into a situation, starts off the movie having retired. He's living in Venice. He's just like, I'm done. Don't want any, like he has a bodyguard. That shit fucked me up. He has has an ex cop (laughs) bodyguard who follows him around and just beats the crap out of people who try to talk to him because there's a line outside his house every morning of people who want his help and he wants nothing to do with it. The reason is because not just because he's seen so much murder in all these crimes, but he also was in the war. He has PTSD. He is, he's done with the dark side and wants nothing to do with it. He just wants to eat his little chocolates on his rooftop and drink so his many tea. pastries. Yeah, exactly. Um, when his, uh, enjoying his, his downtime is interrupted by Ariadne Oliver, played by Tina Fey, who's a Agatha Christie-ish mystery writer who yeah. basically they're old friends and it's sort of insinuated that by her basing a character in her books on Poirot, it was seen through, and then he became very famous partially because of this. It's almost as they had a mutual beneficial relationship, friendship exactly. early on. Exactly. Uh, but he's like, okay, she can come in, and she's like, look, here's the deal. It's not actually a mystery, but it is. So there's this really, really famous psychic, and no, I don't believe in psychics either, or spiritualists. I remember, this is like 19, late 1940s. Spiritualism is all the rage. Like 47, I think yeah, is what it says. 47. And, uh, I've been to hundreds of these things and it's always really easy to detect their flim flammery in this one. I can't figure it out. She's amazing. And I don't want to, I don't want to believe. 
So I need the second smartest person I know (laughs) to come there with me. They're having a Halloween party at this big old like mansion in Venice uh, that has a storied history of like a bunch of orphans who were trapped in during the plague until they starved to death. Yeah. Pretty dark story. (laughs) Pretty dark. dark. And they they tell the story. To a bunch of orphan children. Yeah, yeah. I love how happy he is by the time it's done. Let's yeah. party afterwards. By they're, the way. they're having the woman who owns the place now is a uh, single mom, but not anymore because her daughter has recently committed suicide or or like something a year, ago. Yeah. a year ago in this very place, and she's the one who wants to sit, the 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 Michelle Yao, Joyce Reynolds, the psychic, to come. Uh, to contact her daughter. She's throwing this party before the thing for all the, for orphan children there. They have a Halloween party there during it, which is an odd thing to do before, like, having a seance for your dead daughter, but okay. <laughs> it and livens of, up the spirits. And of course, there's a mixture of people who are there, uh, involved in it, including the ex fiance of the dead daughter, uh, the family doctor, um, the sort of friend slash assistant. To the mom. The mom was a very famous opera singer at yeah, one point. Yeah, like an apparently. assistant slash house. She was yeah. like the maid or Keeper. something. Yeah. Then yeah. um, the assistants t- to Michelle Yao. And like, there's a bunch of people there. So there's a site, the whole. Your, your cast of suspects. There's a whole seance. Uh, and Michelle Yao insinuates that, you know, while possessed by this thing, question mark. Like, I know who killed me. That someone killed her and starts spinning around, pointing at everyone. But. Uh, before she can reveal it, the seance is ended and she says, well, I'm coming back tomorrow and we're going to do this again tomorrow. And guess what? Somebody doesn't want her to come back tomorrow <laughs> and tell who did it. Yes. <laughs> because before you know it, you have one of the best, like, like gothic ways <laughs> for someone to die in a haunted house ever. And Poirot locks the doors and says, ain't nobody going home. I'm on the case. Meanwhile, Ariadne, Tina Fey, is very excited because she loves it when Poirot is in full form. He's yeah. back, baby. Yeah, she's got the notepad out. She's taking notes. She's re- re- getting ready to write a book. But she's also like, don't you think there's at least a possibility that the spirit world exists? What if this is real? What if this is really happening? And Poirot himself finds himself starting to have doubts as he starts to have what can only be described as supernatural experiences while he's in there. So yeah, it's spoopy <laughs> and no. there's spoopy stuff happening. And honestly, for more than, more than not, this really worked for me. I mean, I will say, I know people get so critical, like, Oh, I figured it out. So fucking what, man? Good for you. That doesn't make it a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. I did about halfway through this. I was like, I have a pretty good idea of how all this worked. And I was right, but yeah, the, I still, but you still enjoy watching. It's all it about there. the right. I mean, if you watch enough movies, like, 95% of the movies I watch, I know how it's going to end, mystery movie or not. Like, you have an idea. And yeah. even if you figure out who it is, like, the fun in all mystery movies is seeing, like, you know, the case unfold. Like, watch Pro do his little magic, you know, detect yeah. things. Not every movie or not every story, mystery story, you need to know how it's, it ends by the time it gets halfway through. Because what the thing about a good mystery is that everything wraps up in a way that makes sense. Because there's plenty of movies I watch where I'm like, I didn't see that coming because none of it makes any fucking sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that part didn't really bother me at all because I didn't think it was a stu- – it wasn't like obvious. It was one of those – well, if you're one of the people who gets good after a while at these sort of films of pointing out um, basically Chekhov's statement 
Not yeah. necessarily the gun, but like when people say things that are just almost a non sequitur, like, well, what does that have to do with anything? You think, why would that be in the script if it wasn't pertinent? Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. then you sort of file those things away and like yeah. a, and add them together. Death on the Nile was a super obvious one and it kind yeah. of ruined it because you're like, you guys can't be this fucking stupid. Well, <laughs> when it's, and it's because that movie has no like real sense of style. And I think that kind of like saves this movie is even if the mystery, like if you're kind of gathering, okay, you're figuring out as it goes. The performances are really good. The movie has a real sense of style and like creating that spooky atmosphere. But even past that, just like in a real traditional sense, with it's like it's not quite a square aspect ratio. I'm not I'm as much as much as a film geek to know aspect ratios like off top. Mm-hmm. But it's not a square, but it's also not like you're super wide. Yeah. Panoramic. It's a little tighter in. There's like things really focused in on the foreground, really intense close ups with like blurred backgrounds. Dutch angles. There's this like mm-hmm. a real sense of style to the movie where it's just kind of fun to look at yeah. and be in the world as they're going down this like haunted house mystery. Also, the performances are much more naturalistic in this than they were in the first two. First two, like I said, it just felt like everybody was being played at this artificially heightened sort of silly level. This one, really, the only character who comes across that way is Tina Fey's character. Yeah, and I think she's good at it. Yeah, well, that's the difference. Yeah, it. she's good. She's doing the old timey North Atlantic yeah. accent. Yeah, mid- mid- Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so much fun because, like, for this, because the second you show up, she's like. You're like, you know what? I, I'm all on board with it because I, it's her and she's having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> uh, the sad thing is that you, Michelle Yao is so good in this right from the start and you're really sad that she's not in it for very long. No. Because she's terrific. I mean, shocker. I, I, big surprise guys. Michelle Yao's great in a movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. It, it's, it's used really, it's really good casting, especially, I mean, who knows when she got casted, but off like the recent success, like mm-hmm. to have this role where it's just like, you know, Oscar, Oscar winning, Oscar winning. <laughs> Actress right in there at the beginning, like a big splash. You know what's going to happen, um, but it carries a lot of weight when it does. And she she does so much with what the little she has that I was talking to Frank about it after we were done about like the, one of the last things she does in the movie. You're like that's so nuanced that it like most people wouldn't even notice yeah. what she did. But it's so fucking like wonderfully done that only she could have probably pulled that off. And the other, like I said, the rest of the cast is good too. Camille Cotton is Olga Semenov, sort of the assistant to, to the, the mom of the dead child is really, really good. She's sort of like very religious and she doesn't approve of any of this stuff going on at all, but also she the gets an emotional like arc. an adult when she died. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, not a little kid. So they weren't a 10 year old when they died. Yeah. She's like maybe 17 or something. She was like maybe yeah, yeah, 18, yeah. 19 at most. Uh, the Jamie Dornan, playing sort of a very PTSD'd out doctor who has to take pills to keep from freaking the fuck out. Yeah, what, does a good job. What, is he, what has he been in? He looks so familiar to me. He's kind of looked like like a different version I of I swear Mark he Ruffalo, was from something I've but seen. I but I can't place him. Place you don't it. know where Jamie Dornan is from? Oh, as Chris looks it up. No, no, I just, I'm forgetting the name of it, but he was in that series of really, based on really terrible books that wasn't Twilight. Oh. What is that? Wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, the sex one. The se- oh oh uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Thank you. Yeah, he's he the Fifty Shades of Grey. Guy. He's the Fifty Shades of Grey guy. guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really is. I, n- I never saw those movies. <laughs> well, you didn't miss much. Quite, <laughs> yeah, yeah. quite frankly, they're not very good. Um, and then Kelly Riley playing the the, the mom uh, is terrific. She's always great in stuff, and she's one of those actresses I never feels get, gets a. Uh, a fair shake as being a name. Yeah, it was like in Barb can... and Star. That's the other thing I knew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, he's he's great in Bob and Star. Go to was it Vista Del Mar? I still yeah. haven't seen that one. Oh, it's I need funny. to watch it at some point. It's, I've uh, always heard it's, it's good. It's a weird one. <laughs> Hercule Poirot goes to <laughs> Vista Del <laughs> Mar. Solves the mystery. Solves the mystery with Barb and Star as his assistants. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would watch that too. I mean, I kind of like that they're. 
I think that maybe one of the things that makes this one work is that it's much more so than the other two trying breaking away from the source material and trying something new. You know, I mean, the certainly not criticizing Agatha Christie's writing, but all mysteries since Agatha Christie are some degree taking and stealing heavily from Agatha Christie. So there's something you can't help but say things feel a little dated, a little obvious being yeah. that close to it. And this is almost a completely new text. Yeah. Well, it's also it's the thing, like when something is so influential and you're just kind of like every version of this is like every version of this type of story since then is either like defined by defying those expectations or mm-hmm. leaning straight into them. Yeah. Like when you go to that source material, it's hard for it to feel at all fresh. And I think like making this more of like a horror, at least a horror inspired movie or is like living in that world is kind of what helps it have a little more life in it. Yeah. No, well, there's I, that. And the fact that I, I think Chris, you mentioned it after we left was that Hercule is like having a really hard time. Yeah. The whole movie. Cause in the first movie, he's the fucking invincible Batman world's greatest detective who comes in. He's like, you're the fucking, you're lying to me about wearing pants. The kind of thing. It's like, what's happening? <laughs> and then the second one, like, it how has, did like, you know he wasn't wearing pants? Cause look at him. He's not wearing pants. He's painted his legs. Damn you. <laughs> but yeah. Then the second one was just like, it had a mixture of him being really smart, but then towards the end and the, the, towards the end of the second half of the movie, he starts kind of losing it. And so this had more of that, but in a way that I believed, or I didn't believe it the same way I did in Death of the Nile. Well, it's Jamie Dornan's character's estimate at one point in this, you and me, we're the same. We're both broken. Um, and that's basically who he is here. He's a broken man trying to find his way. He's never necessarily going to believe in God. I mean, he's an atheist pretty much through and through, or ghosts for that matter. But he doesn't really have a reason for going forward either. And it's... His experience here, as much as it certainly doesn't convince him in the existence of the supernatural on any level, I think it's his own experience of having doubt and doubt in himself and then seeing that he can actually, that what he does does good is what sort of saves him as a human. And that makes him very much more interesting because he's very vulnerable here. I mean, he, this man whose whole ego and pride is around like logic and reason is actually you know, he wouldn't admit it to anyone else, but is starting to doubt himself and go, maybe there are ghosts in this fucking place. Uh, Watching him to the point where like, he's breaking down because of it. And it's really a fascinating performance by Brown. I care. I thought. Yeah. Really good. It's, it's the first, it's the first one of these where like, I feel like he really killed it in the performance and really killed it in the directing of the movie. Like Mm -hmm. he like in it and the other two, it feels like one is suffering because of the other. At different parts of the movie, like no, neither of them are batting a hundred, and this time he really seemed to have it honed in. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you go to your final thoughts, Hal? Um, man, I, how dare you? I was trying to figure out what my rating thing would be, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, almost got it, almost got it, and then he called on me, so I don't know what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I real, I was surprised by how much I liked it. Like I said before, I thought the first one when it first came out, I think I saw it, and I was like, that movie sucked, and then I kind of like caught it again on. Not cable because I don't have cable because it's not nineteen ninety eight. Who has cable? Anymore? But like maybe it was streaming and I watched it the in the background while working cable. and I watched it. But it was like <laughs> it was like it was like you know what actually this is sort of charming. It's fine. It's like it's a watchable movie that's kind of disposable. Second one I was like oh my god and I wasn't really planning on seeing this one until it popped up in the reviews. Like you know what see it? it's like yeah you know what fuck it I'll I'll go I'll go check this out and like really surprised how much I enjoyed it. It helps that I am like kind of a horror guy and I love that aesthetic yeah. in general. Yeah, I can't help but be um, aware that that's going to positively affect this. For sure. Yeah. I mean, but also it, it could negatively affect it because I really hate it when like 
things start to try to play in that genre and just do it so poorly and they kind of respect yeah. the aesthetics and that just like kind of like lazily call to it. And this movie like really respects it in like a classic, like almost like a horror novel type of way. Yeah. You know? Um, so I really, it's just like, I fell in love with the style of this movie. The, the story is like the story performances are pretty good. Mystery story. Agatha Christie style. Like there'll be a scene at the end where he like breaks it all down until, you know, it's going to happen that way. So like, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it never felt like I was like, here's the best endorsement I can give in these movies. I almost always, or most movies, you can get up and go to the bathroom at some point. But like, I don't care. I'm going to go pee out. I won't miss anything. And in this, I like really rushed. Cause like, I don't want to yeah. miss like, a fun part of it. Like you both did. Yeah. yeah. I had to get, we both got a giant soda. So yeah, it's like, yeah. Like, we both like ran to the bathroom. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> and it's not because like, I'm going to miss an important vital thing. Like, I don't know, like it'll be explained to me. It's just like, I was you enjoying miss something that was fun. Yeah. yeah. I was enjoying it so much. I didn't want to miss part of it. So that's my ringing endorsement. I'll give it a seven out of 10 hurried bathroom breaks. <laughs> uh, Spider Mike. <laughs> yeah. This movie is, is it's so much better than I, I was expecting. I've been on every review for these Hercule Poirot ones, so at this point I was like, I'm invested. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch this third one, <laughs> kind of thing. Because the first one I thought was okay. Like it, it, it was. It felt like the start of something that could be fun, especially since Kenneth Branagh really clearly cares about this character, and so he's having some fun with it in the first one. Uh, the mystery itself was just kind of okay. Like it's. I'm not gonna say it's like it was easy to figure out in the first one because it's one of those. It's one of those ones that's like a staple that has come up before and other things afterwards because they were already influenced by that. And then the second one was just god awful. <laughs> like he's trying in the second one, but the, the the mystery and the story and the acting definitely was not there. Except for ironically enough, Russell Brand was one of the better things of the second one. And then the third one, just everyone is firing at all cylinders. Him. Like the the setting itself, the mystery itself. Even the little nerd kid. Yeah, there's this little kid that we didn't bring up, which is the son of the doctor, who's just so He's much a, fun to talk to. In I like, mean, it wouldn't in be in real life, way. but it'd be it's fun watching in the movie. Yeah, because he's this little morbid kid kind of thing, and I was just like, man, I I think you're so cool. <laughs> he's like he's like a male Wednesday without the goth. Yeah, and he's like he's fun for like whenever somebody talks to him because every time somebody does, they have this look of like, well, that fucking happened. <laughs> and so by the time you're done with the movie, you're like, man, I really wish this one had kept going the whole way through, and or not the whole way through, but I wish it had just kept going. Like if, if this was the one that I wanted to last longer, mm. whereas the second one I thought I was sitting in eternity. <laughs> so this one, I if you guys have any love for mystery, anything kind of spooky in some way, you're definitely going to get a kick out of this movie. Um, I look forward to if he makes more of these, and I will definitely uh, sign up for whatever happens next. I will give it a wholeheartedly 8 out of 10 um, seagulls attacking pigeons. Uh, if you're if you're one of those people who considers themselves not a horror fan, but you do enjoy a good supernatural thriller, as Kenneth Branagh has has described this, like you like a classy horror film, this is going to be right up your alley. This is like you know an Edgar Allan Poe adaptation or something yeah, type yeah. feel to it more than a modern horror film, and it works. There's a lot of experimentation going on behind the camera, and I appreciated almost all of it. Also. Uh, first time Bronick has um, moved away from longtime collaborator Patrick Doyle for the composing, the score, and moved to Hilber, Hilder. I have no idea how to pronounce their last name because there's like two different accent marks on it. Uh, I'm not even going to try. I looked at it uh, and uh, like, oh, I, I got this. Like, and nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Emmy BAFTA 
Oscar and Grammy winner uh, who did like Chernobyl, uh, Tar, Sicario, Mary Magdalene, a, a whole bunch of stuff. I was also in Throbbing Gristle, the band, which I know almost none of you know what that is, but that's okay because I do no. and they were cool. Um, you weren't kidding about that last name. <laughs> that last name looks like something Thor yells out when he attacks somebody. It does, right? <laughs> um I, I really, really liked the score in this one and just in general, the sound design, which is an essential part of what makes this film work and why it's creepy. Uh, a lot of the, the spookiness is really about the sound going on here and it, it, it works really, really well. I was really shocked that I went into this expecting to like it better than the other two, but still not be crazy about it. I really kind of like this a lot. I, I will watch this again for sure. Yeah, for I mean, sure. it's a, it's a fun watch. And I hope that going forward, I assume Braddock is going to keep making more of these, that he, I, I want him to continue to try and break away from the original scripts, you know, as sure enough as they eventually ran out of James Bond novels and just had to like, go, just take the name of some of the short stories and then yeah. do a totally different thing with it. Do that. I think maybe you're better off when you're not, you don't have to be so attached to the original text. Uh, cause this was by far, by a, by a country mile, the best of these three films. Uh, I'm gonna give it eight out of ten mustaches that are kind of like two mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this time he didn't have the, it wasn't, cause he's had before the one that was like the, the, the bartender, like mixologist. And this time he had this one that was like, it was like there was one mustache growing on top of another mustache. Yeah. That His was mustache like had a mustache. His yeah. mustache had its own mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like I like this one so much more than the others, and I'm really glad that these that these that mystery movies can still have a place in this day and age because I feel like we don't get enough of these. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, pretty much in the past, it's like this and Knives Out movies. Yeah, at much. least on a larger scale. There's been smaller ones, you know, here and there. But. And on television, what's the one with a uh, 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 what's her name uh, where she's like on the run from Las poker Vegas face? mom? Yeah, poker. Oh face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. That, yeah, again, Ryan Johnson, who yeah. clearly is kind of standing out as the king of these. Things he likes right it. Yeah, now. that's a good show. What yeah. we need is more murder. She wrote. I. What we need is another character with double mustache because clearly <laughs> that's the key that made everything come Br- together. Bring Columbo back, throw a double mustache on him, and give him a cigar. We'll go. I don't know about that, Alan. But oh, oh, oh one more thing. Now. <laughs> 